Did you know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Jennifer Teague and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, or afternoon. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, Josh. How are you? Doing good. How's it going? It's pretty good. Yeah, we've had a pretty fun-filled week this week. We absolutely have. You got a cornhole tournament today? Yes, we do. Yep, I've made the luscious cornhole trophy over there out of a used water bottle. That's the funniest thing. I wasn't really sure what you were trying to do the other day. Well, you know, they gave me a budget of zero (laughs) dollars. So I was like, if I make something gross as a trophy... They'll give me a budget next year. That's why. There you go. That and that's makes what sense. I did. I used a used water bottle, threw a funny little figure on the top, and wrote cornhole trophy. Yeah, well, I was going to say this is my first real spirit month because last year we were quarantined pretty much because of COVID. So this is the first time I've actually experienced a real spirit month at Frontier Health. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We, uh, you know, we got the big dinner coming up. Yeah. Or lunch. It's kind of a... I volunteered to make cupcakes, which means I'm going to go buy cupcakes because I don't cook. Yeah, I'm just bringing Cokes and stuff. <laughs> I was like, I've got to find a place around here that will do really great prepackaged tiny cupcakes that I can bring for Spirit Month luncheon. Oh, okay. Yeah. We got all kinds of bakeries around here. I figured. Yeah, you'll find somebody. Yeah, we found somebody for our cake. Oh, did you? Yes. Cake well, buds. So, you know, it was delicious. There you go. We went and tried it, and I was like, uh, we went at like 930 in the morning for our tasting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's 9.30 in the morning. There's no better time to eat cake, which is was, was kind of weird because I was like, this is so much sugar. That was the <laughs> only thing I was interested in for our whole wedding was the cake <laughs> That's testing. great. I didn't care about anything else. <laughs> we picked out our tuxes and stuff. I walked in and said, just give me a gray one, measure me, and let's go. Yeah. And that's all I did. Yeah, we were giddy about it. We were like, we're going to go to a cake tasting. This is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I love the food. It's pretty fun. So we're getting like the typical almond cake. And the almond icing. Okay. We're doing a naked cake, which means naked, naked cake. You know, sorry, I'm Southern. Which means there's not a lot of icing on the outside. And then we're doing like blackberry and cream cheese filling on the bottom layer. And then uh, lemon and cream cheese on the second layer. And then the the topper is the one we get to keep. Oh, nice. You know, to to freeze and eat in a year and and eat it and it tastes like like cardboard. But we're going to eat it. It's it's like a tradition. Yeah, we didn't do that. Yeah. Our cake didn't last long. (laughs) I ate quite a bit. Of <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving up. I'm like, I can't wait to eat cake. And we did barbecue too. That we was are nice. too. We're going to do firehouse. Yep. We got married on July 4th. You have the coolest wedding. So that I would never forget it. <laughs> and we always have fireworks. All right. This is a big month for us on Impact Stigma and for the Frontier Health Foundation as well. We are celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month along with Foster Care Awareness Month. This is the sixth episode of our second season of Impact Stigma, and today's episode is something pretty special. We would also like to announce that we are, drumroll please, I can't drumroll, but drumroll please, that we actually have our very first Impact Stigma sponsor. So thank you, Food City. Um, We're really excited to celebrate that partnership, and they're sponsoring five episodes of Impact Stigma and supporting the foundation. So thank you, Food City. Yeah, that's where you can go buy your cupcakes. (laughs) Good idea. (laughs) So please go to our website to find out more about how to become a sponsor if you're interested. So foster care is a topic that unfortunately has been riddled with negative stigma in the media, movies, and the news. 
It is a crucial, important topic for us to discuss, and our hope is that by the end of our time together, we will be able to deliver a realistic and honest look at foster care for all of our listeners out there. This is a message we hope spreads far and wide. If you hear this podcast, please share as much as you possibly can. It's very important. So I would like to say that today we are excited to introduce not one, but two guests for this episode. We are honored to have two therapeutic foster care states represented in this very room today. First, we would like to introduce Courtney Mock, who is our Traces parent, trainer, and recruiter for Northeast Tennessee, and Jessica Keith, who is our Values Therapeutic Foster Care Coordinator for Southwest Virginia. So Traces and Values are our two therapeutic foster care programs for Frontier Health that support children in need of placement for Tennessee and Virginia. Ladies, welcome to Impact Stigma. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. As always, we strive for candid, open, and sometimes even humorous conversations here on Impact Stigma. So please remember, this podcast is never intended to be a substitute for professional advice, a formal diagnosis, or treatment for mental and behavioral health issues. If you need further assistance or have questions, please visit the Frontier Health website at FrontierHealth.org for more information. If you or someone you love has an urgent mental health need, please call 877 877- 928-9062 and our 24-7 Frontier Health Crisis Team will help. If you, your child, or someone you know is in danger of suicide, go to the nearest emergency room or call 911. So one of the fa- our favorite things to do here is to ask you all a bunch of random questions so the listener can get to know you just a little bit better. So what is your favorite type of food to eat? Not your style or anything, but like if you had a craving, what item would you want the most? Pizza. Okay, so what do you eat on your pizza? Pineapple. Gross. I know, right? <laughs> Actually, it's fantastic. Pineapple mushroom. I love pepperoni. you, Jessica. It is yes. fantastic. Ugh. I have been told multiple times by Greg that that I am the grossest person. <laughs> but he's like, that's gross. Pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. I'm like, yes, it does. And so does mango. It's sweet, savory, salty. Yeah. Gotcha. You, you yeah. can't go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to go out to eat. So if I have a craving for something, I'm definitely going to want something spicy, and it's probably going to be pad thai or maybe a spicy fried rice. That's good. That's going to be what I'm going for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, I think we went to Zap Lao in Johnson City, and I always have pad ki mao with spice. I don't know what that is, but I would probably eat it. It's like drunken noodles. Oh, I would totally eat that. Yeah. yeah it's delicious. Everybody wants to try mine. I'm like, stop eating my food. No, Pick it so, if you want it, but stop eating my food. I know it's so disappointing, <laughs> but I'm that person. I'm the person who's going to try to get bites off everybody's plate because what's <laughs> most important is variety to me. Hmm. It's not about, you know, quantity. It's about how many different things can I try today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's because you have kids and kids always eat off your plate. So you're just used to having little fingers all over your plate. Or eating cold food. Or eating cold. Yes, we do all of those things at the mock household for sure. Yeah. So I'm asking a little bit different question. I like to take it down a different road. So when you all were little girls, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. So I remember my sister was a couple years older than me, and she never wanted to play with me because she was way too cool, obviously. Um, so <laughs> I would have I would get up really early in the morning, even in the summertime, and I would make a pretend classroom, and I would call the role in my class, and they, w- I would ask them what they wanted for lunch for the day because that was my favorite part of school um, was <laughs> lunchtime. So I, I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. That's what I wanted to do. My oldest daughter did that, or she wanted to be a waitress. I think either one is <laughs> she admirable. She would take orders 
And she would walk around and like with her little pad of paper to take orders, or she wanted to tell everybody, she wanted to teach everybody everything. She, yes. But she forced her younger brother and sister to sit still while she did it. I also would have been okay <laughs> with being a librarian because I remember when we got rid of the little cards. I don't know if the listeners remember the little cards that you had to use in the library books to check out a book, but you right. would write your name on it and you would write the day that you took it and, and then you would put it back in. Well, at some point when I was in school, they got the barcodes for the books and the librarian had a little scanner that she could scan the books with. And I thought that was the coolest thing. You're like, and all I, I want to do is scan things. If I could just grow <laughs> up and scan these library books, I think that I would be fine. Um, so, yeah, definitely e- either a librarian scanning books or a teacher. Okay. All right, Jessica. I always wanted to work at the bank. Really? Okay. Yes, I know, random, but I love to count. So yes. counting money and organizing, and I yeah. wanted it all the right way. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. work at the bank, and then you get to see people, talk to people. Yeah. So you, what was it, the hands-on museum? Oh, oh my yes. gosh, downstairs with the little, t- the bank tellers. My kids loved that. Yes, and they that had was the so little, great. Uh, grocery store yes and you could go shopping so unsanitary but it was so great (laughs) we had the best time there that is so precious all right josh all right so what is your favorite sport yeah i don't don't we don't do that here or you don't do sports no i don't do sports i don't do sports i do other things okay no sports for you no no sports for me i'm a gardener And it's gardening time, so I'm going to go today, and surprisingly, the only seed that I did not have this year, which is the seed that I always have, and so I didn't even think to buy it, was zucchini. And I mean, zucchini will grow absolutely anywhere that you plant it. So last last year, I told my husband, I said, okay, I'm going to plant the zucchini seed in this huge pile of red clay mud over here, and I'm not going to touch it, and I'm not going to do anything with it, and I want you to look, and it'll grow. And sure enough, it grew because it is. Or maybe just, you're just a fairy with a green thumb. No, it Are is just sure? the gift that will not stop giving. So I'm going to plant my <laughs> zucchini today, and I'm and something dug up my cucumbers. I think it was my rooster, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked you like a, a Kevin rooster? size. Yeah, I have chickens and and a. a I'm coming rooster. over to your house. I'm inviting myself rudely over to your well, house. Well, <laughs> I want to tell you guys about Karen, my hen, who is currently sitting on a clutch <laughs> of eggs, and Karen is going to be a mom <laughs> next okay. Thursday on May 27. Uh, May 27th, Kev, or Karen is going to be a mother. So <laughs> I'm so happy for her because she's sitting, she's broody. She's sitting on her eggs. She She'll is, either be a mother or you'll have scrambled eggs. No, I candled the eggs last night. So you can actually look inside of the oh, eggs okay. with a with a flashlight. To, and last night I saw you all saw three babies them. moving. <gasps> Karen's going to be a mom. How do you know mm. May 27th though? 21 days. 21 oh. days from the time that that hen starts sitting on those eggs, that those eggs are going to hatch. So that's what I like to do. I don't do sports, but I do. I love animals, and I love love to garden. Okay. And then I need to bring my daughter over. She wants to do homesteading one day. Homesteading is incredible. I yeah. wish that that is what I could do. Like, if I could grow up now, what I would be is a homesteader, if I, I was, could be anything. What's home? I don't even know what homesteading is. It's like making your whole backyard, like, um, self-sufficient. So you have, like, animals and, and plants, and you can, like, garden, and you have goats, and you have, like, whatever you want to do. But it's, like, composting, and it's all It's incredible. Yeah, it's really, You're self-sufficient. Yeah, and they wow. usually do it within, like, a, an acre or a half acre. I want to go to like, Courtney's, too. I know. We're all going to go. Jessica? All right, yeah. I'm not a big sport person either. But oh, that's the wrong question to ask. It's, it's okay. totally brave, though. It's, well, so. so that's so. Here we are. My son, mm-hmm. he's three and a half, will be four, and 
all of his friends were going to play soccer, so we signed him yeah. up for soccer. He vomited on the sideline, like, <laughs> within the first five minutes. This, so we left, obviously. I love this day. This is so this, fun. First of all, there was, like, 45 children there. <laughs> one coach, one dad, and two teenage girls that were supposed to be corralling 45 kids that were under the age of four. Right. So then, the second practice I didn't make it to because I had a meeting he did perfect the third practice he was laying kicking screaming <laughs> so we haven't been back so okay. that well, you tried soccer we tried yeah. soccer there you go. we have baseball at our house I played soccer so if you were gonna say what sports do you like I played soccer coach soccer but my son eats drinks sleeps and dreams about baseball and just hit 84 miles an hour you all I'm so proud of wow. him. Yeah, he's pitching 84 miles an hour. That's really incredible. That's really that's really impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of him. He's worked super hard. So his work ethic is pretty strong. All right, my next question would be, if you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be and why? There's so many options. This is one that I had not previously considered. I will tell you, though, that and this is going to be weird, but... That's okay. It sounds like our listeners are used to that. So um, if I could be any animal and why I would be a rat. And I say this because one of the best pets that I've ever had in the entire world was a pet rat. He was so smart and he was so loving. And he used to, I, I didn't even have to put a top on his cage. He would, he, I would sit on the couch and he would hear my little chip bag. Yes. He would hear my little chip bag crinkle yes. and he would jump out the top. And he would come sit on the side of the couch with me, and I would give him one, and then I would have one. Um, and he was so smart, and he was so loving. And I think rodents get a bad rap sometimes. They do. But he was incredibly, incredibly intelligent and very sweet. And I'll tell you how I ended up with him. Um, I have a lot of animals at my house. I, I have a snake, and his name is George. And George did not eat his friend, who ended up being my pet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I got him out. I, I didn't even leave him in there very long. And I just said, this is this just has to be my pet. So I just took him out. And that's how um, he ended up being a friend and not food. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. That's great. We had rats. We actually had two rats. And I did the same Love thing. Love rats. Super smart. I have a picture of um, Remy who... The ratatouille. Yes. Oh, Remy the ratatouille. I yep. love it. And he's the same color as Remy. on the. And so I had free, whatever, freeze-dried blueberries. And I could crackle the bag, and I'd be like, Remy, and I would do the bag. And he would run up my leg and sit on my shoulder and eat blueberries. So I have this little picture of me looking at him, and he's, like, chomping down some blueberries. He was so cute. They are precious. They are very precious. We had him for a long time. He died of old age. So, yeah, we've had rats. They're great. You're right. Great pets. Okay. How about you? We were never allowed to have pet. Like, what? we had cats. I mean, what? I know. I never had a gerbil. I never had a guinea pig. I never had any. We had so many pets at our house at one point, I thought I was going to cry. <laughs> I'm barely making it with the goldfish I currently have, but um, I think if I could be any animal, probably a leopard. First, I love leopard print. If oh. Courtney knows me, she has, I, feel I that. love leopard. Yeah. Um, but who doesn't want to be a cat, right? Yeah. You just, their personalities. Yeah. He has the best cat ever. You do? Yeah. Oh, His yeah. His name is uh, Bagheera. He's about 30 pounds. He's an all-black cat with a stub tail, and he comes up to about my waist standing up. He's just a monster of a cat you do believe he's like maybe mixed with a wild animal Something. he could be yeah. yeah he's just a monster wow yeah 
A certified food city butcher has a lot on his plate. He cuts, chops, and grinds every day. In fact, about the only thing he's not cutting fresh in-house are corners. Beginning at 6 a.m., he grinds fresh beef all day long and stamps the hour that beef was ground, not the day. So by the time meat from other grocery chains is hitting the shelves, ours is hitting your grill. Now that's value every day, only at Food City. Hello, everyone. Like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you, and we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. All right, ladies, would you please take a few minutes each and share with our guests what inspired you to work with foster care? All right, so Courtney, will you go first? Absolutely. So I started working in the public health, um, mental health, and social work field about 10 years ago, and I've had my hand in a little bit of everything. I've worked in residential treatment facilities. I've worked with kids. I've worked with adolescents. I've worked with adults. And one thing I had never experienced was working uh, directly in the foster care system. So when the opportunity arose for me to come back on to Frontier Health and and be involved with, with these children and with these families, I was so eager and so excited to be able to to do that because I really want to be able to make a difference in the lives of children and in our community. Thank you. Jessica? So my dearest friend on this planet uh, actually worked for Values and I had ran into her and she's like, oh my gosh, we have a position open and you have no idea like how much fun I have at work and my kiddos and just how important this job is. I had no inclination what I was getting myself into and it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. That's awesome. All right, so Josh and I wanted to just take a few minutes to share with our listeners some of the misconceptions that, you know, is out there as far as foster care. So one of the first misconceptions we're going to talk about is that foster care, fostering is a financial strain. And the truth is that foster parents actually receive monthly stipends to cover the essential needs of the foster child and including like food and clothing. Fostering a child is not a greater financial burden on a foster parent or a foster family than caring for any other child in a family. So if you are financially able to support yourself and those living with you, you are financially capable of fostering a child. Another misconception is all foster children are bad, juvenile delinquents, or runaways. This is one of the greatest myths about foster children. The truth is that they are actually in need of a home through no fault of their own. A common misconception about these children is that they are bad, aggressive, violent children no one wants or can handle. This is simply not true. Many of the kids in foster care have had a tough start to their life and as a result need support to heal. Foster children are carefully placed with families capable of helping them heal and foster care agencies provide support to both the child and the family. The most important thing to remember is like all children, foster children are resilient. Another common misconception is that all foster children have been sexually or physically abused. Over half the children removed from their home are moved due to neglect. It is unfortunate and true that sexual and physical abuse does occur. However, most children who experience abuse are primarily neglected. Recent national increases in adult drug use has caused an increase in children being removed from a home due to adult drug use and parental incarceration. Despite the reason a child is placed in foster care, it is important to remember foster children need love and are often removed from their home through no fault of their own. Another misconception is all children in foster care are awaiting adoption. One of the most common misconceptions of foster care is that every child in foster care is eligible for adoption. 
Of the nearly 440,000 children in foster care, around 100,000 of these are eligible for adoption at any given time. That means less than 25% of all children in foster care are awaiting adoption. Most of the children within the foster care system have a permanency plan, a forever home action plan, that prioritizes returning home to a biological parent or parents. All right, Courtney, can you define foster care for our listeners? Yes. So a child comes into foster care when the Department of Children's Services and the court has determined that it is not safe for a child to remain in their home. That can be due to numerous reasons, some things that you had already talked about, um, neglect. So in our area, we see um, a lot of drug use. And if you have parental drug use, sometimes the parents aren't able to properly care for their children and mm-hmm. meet their needs at that time. Um, so we see a lot of kids come into care that way. So the court and the department may determine that it's not safe for that child to return home. So they would identify a foster family that would be able to provide a safe and loving home for that child until they are ultimately able to go back to their okay. parents. So now that we have a better understanding of foster care, can you help us understand the difference between foster care and therapeutic foster care? Yes. So a standard foster care, I always tell I always tell parents, I always tell people that are interested, standard foster care is going to look like fostering through your local Department of Children's Services or if you're in Virginia, through your local Department of Social Services. So in the state of Tennessee and in the state of Virginia as well, I think, Jessica, uh, what's called a CANS assessment is utilized to help determine the needs of these children. So CANS is just a fancy little acronym for a child and adolescent needs assessment. So this is rated from a one to a three, one being the least amount of needs and three being the highest amount of needs. So for our children who have those higher level of needs, who have a more significant amount of trauma, um, who are going to require more therapeutic interventions, more uh, one-on-one time with a case manager, those children are typically those who are referred to therapeutic foster care. That way we're able to meet their needs with therapy, sometimes medication management if it's appropriate, uh, and they're able to see their case managers more frequently Mm -hmm. um, so they can get additional support. So there are so many stereotypes surrounding foster care. Can you share with us and our listeners some of the stereotypes you have helped potential foster parents overcome? Josh, I think you and Jennifer already kind of touched on this one, and that was that all children who come into foster care are juvenile delinquents or or they've broken the law or something to that effect. Uh, While it's true that some of our children who have come into care have done things that would be considered a crime if they were over the age of 18, I have never worked with a child in the foster care system, in the mental health system, who has not experienced some type of trauma that probably precipitated that event. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even these children who have made poor choices, who have made mistakes that have caused them to get involved with the legal system, these children have also experienced a significant amount of trauma. Like we said, that could be neglect, that could be abuse all different kinds of abuse. So no, not all. Our children are not juvenile delinquents and they are not bad kids. They are kids. And I think it's important that that we remember that these are kids who have typically relied on themselves uh, to make some adult decisions because they haven't had much guidance. And so we want to remember that our kids are just that. They're kids. Absolutely. And I know that there are children um, in the foster care system that come into the foster care, you know, just because and I've had experience with it from past jobs where you would have a mom who was addicted to uh, drugs and they would present 
with neonatal abstinence syndrome. So therefore they yes. may or may not be placed in a foster care home to, you know, kind of get better, go through the process of weaning off drugs and then hopefully give that, that parent the opportunity to, you know, find themselves in a position to where they're ready to get sober. So yes. they may be able to be reunited later. Yes. So we're not really going to ask the next question based on that. We're actually going to talk about something that Courtney, you actually wanted us to ask because of the importance of it. And that is talking about older foster kids and groups. So my question would be, how big of a need is there for foster families willing to take sibling groups and teens? And what would you like to share with our listeners about the stigma surrounding teens in foster care? So the need for foster families to take sibling groups is huge. I mean, you, you, we grow up with our siblings. Yeah. They're, they're our first best friends. Um, they know what's going on in our households. They've lived through a lot of these same experiences that we have so they can relate to us in that way. And that in and of itself is comforting. That right. to, to have somebody who knows what your life was like when it was hard and know and, and has been and has been with you through some of the most painful times. When these kids are separated, it can be absolutely devastating. Devastating oh gosh, for yeah. them. And then it can really it, it can really set a child back mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, being able to make progress and, and healing some of that trauma they've experienced if they're also separated from their siblings. So we're in desperate need of families who are willing to keep our siblings together. So families that are willing to to say yes, we'll we'll take these kids, we'll we'll take their brothers and sisters, and, and I know sometimes it's just really difficult because sometimes people just don't have the space to accommodate these larger sibling groups. I mean, when you get into five and six siblings, it can be really difficult right. for them to accommodate them. And then the need for foster parents to take teens is again, it's huge. Uh, the majority of the children in foster care right now are teens. That's the the majority of referrals we're getting are for teenagers. Uh, I think people are intimidated. Maybe they've had their own experiences with teenagers. Yeah. Uh, maybe they've heard stories. So when you're talking about trying to parent someone who's almost as big as you are, that can get a, that can seem a little bit scary. But I have had some of the best work I feel like I've done in my career has been with teenagers. They still need someone to love them. They need someone to support them and care about them and give them that guidance that they need to ultimately go on and be successful because how scary is it to think, okay, in two years, we're going to let you loose and you're an adult and they don't have the guidance that they need and they don't have the, they, they don't have the support they need to really go and be successful. So we want to be those people who can set them up for success and be and be that support to them even after they turn 18 because I don't know about you guys but just because I'm 18 doesn't mean I don't need a family. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't need a place to come back to for the holidays or somebody to call Amen. when I when I make a A on a test or yeah. or when I get my first real big girl or big boy job. You need a family forever, not just until you turn 18. So we need somebody we need families and, and people who are willing to be that for our kids. Right. I love that. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Jessica. So what is it really like for a potential foster parent to work through the system? Also, how long does it take to become a foster parent? Okay, so state regulations are different between the state of Tennessee and the state of Virginia, but all families that are interested in being a foster family have certain requirements that they have to meet. So I will have to come to your home, interview you, interview the children in your home. There are stringent 
criminal background checks, state background checks, fingerprinting that has to be done. And then you commit to weeks and even months of training sessions. So we meet collectively as a group. We talk about, I give you the worst case scenario. So I say, let's go through this training. And, and these are the kids that could potentially be placed in your home. Right. Um, and we talk about things that may never happen in a million years, but I want to hit everything possible to make sure that we are everybody clear and everybody clear. understands. Absolutely. Expectations are very important. I'm Absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it can take anywhere from three months to six months, depending on um, the availability of the family, availability of staff to be able to train, get it, getting those background checks back. Um, you also have to have a full physical from your doctor's office. Your doctor has to say that you are capable of caring for children in your home, TB screens, and, and in the COVID world, you know, things look very differently. So it doesn't necessarily have like a cutoff time. Right. We just kind of work through what we need to to make sure we're checking off all the boxes for our standards. And I always tell my families, like, I'm not going to come in with a pair of white gloves and wipe and see if you've got dust on your we mantle. Because yeah. you live, that's your right. home. But I can, I can sleep at night knowing that you're going to love and care for my kids. All right, so how long does a child usually stay in foster care? Oh, gosh. Um, I've had children age out of care. And in Virginia, you can stay until you're the age of 21. So, and I've had children stay as small amount of time as 10 days. So, and that's really just up to the court system. Right. Um, The department and the juvenile court system work together collectively to make a plan. Um, If family members step up, you know, extended family members step up, then they can file for or petition for custody of the child as well. So that comes into play. Gotcha. So why are some children reunited with their biologically biological families, and do children get moved from one foster home to the next? So children, the initial goal is always going to be reunification with the biological family. That can not necessarily be mom and or dad. It could be grandma, grandpa. It could be aunt. It could be a cousin. It could be a sibling maybe that is over the age of 18. So that can kind of look a little bit different depending on a family member that's, that's able and capable of caring for the children, but that is always the primary goal right. is reunification with the biological family, whatever family member that may be. Okay. In terms of getting moved from one foster home to another, and I can speak for, for Courtney as well, Values and Traces do a tremendous amount of work on the front end to make sure that we are placing children with a family that can meet that child's needs because we don't want another disruption. Um, Many times, especially coming into therapeutic foster care, maybe from standard foster care, maybe from the biological home, there are, like Courtney had mentioned earlier, some extra therapies and extra possible offerings that we have. Right, Um, Our parents are trained specifically for things that may come up. So we work very diligently to make sure that we are providing the best home, the best fit for our families and for the kids. That's great. I do have an extra question. Okay. Like if you do have to move a child out of a foster care situation, what would be some reasons for that so that we can help our listeners understand a little bit better that it's not about the kid is bad, the kid did something, or this kid's damaged? 
it would be because just some other reasons. Absolutely. I mean, it actually just recently we've had a foster family that began to have some medical issues. And that happens very often. We've right. had foster parents that have if foster father had a heart attack. We had a foster parent that had a seizure. So that's happens quite often, to be honest. Other times, I've had children that needed to be moved because the school system couldn't provide uh, certain types of school. Like if they were in a special needs setting, you know, a different school system maybe provided right. um, a little bit more of a stringent schooling program. Right. We've moved children before. Sometimes experiences come out that maybe other families may have had more experience with and can. So 99.9% of the time they're moved to help benefit the child, not because the foster parents are, you know, bad or the kids are bad. There's always a different reason. So I wanted to kind of like shed light on that as opposed to just people just Sometimes people just think the worst, especially when you see media and movies and news where we're always pummeled with the worst possible scenario. So it's nice to hear, hey, by the way, that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely. You know. All right. Not everyone is in a position to be a foster parent. So what are ways that our listeners can become involved and help with foster care without actually becoming a foster parent? And this is open for both of you all. So whoever wants to answer first. So one thing that I can think of is if you are in Northeast Tennessee, and again, this could apply really wherever you are, find a find an organization that helps support foster children and foster families and volunteer for them. So in Northeast Tennessee, we have a wonderful organization called Isaiah 117 House. This Isaiah 117 House actually has locations all across the state, and they may have even spread into other states by now. So basically what they do is provide a temporary place for a child who's been ordered into foster care to stay until a foster home is identified. Because one thing that, you know, we've talked about recently is the shortage of foster homes that we have. Because of this, sometimes a foster home is not able to be immediately identified. So the kids need and deserve a place to be able to lay their head at night where they're not sleeping in a DCS office. So Isaiah 117 homes are homes uh, with kitchens and bedrooms and um, bathrooms and toy rooms for, for kids to stay until a foster home is identified. They are always looking for volunteers because someone has to stay with the kids. Somebody has to help take care of the kids and cook their dinners and, and help take care of them. So volunteer for an organization in your area that supports children in foster care. Yeah, and I think we could put a link to the Isaiah House. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Down in the description. Let's do it. I love that. I'm actually... I mean, I may look into volunteering. They have applications on their websites. Uh, I'm sure they have stringent requirements just like other agencies do. <laughs> so they're going to vet their volunteers fully. I'd hope but so. help take care of these children. I mean, if you, it's hard to go into an agency and, and really volunteer directly with the kids because there are confidentiality concerns. Of course. But, you know, volunteering for an agency like Isaiah 117 House is going to give you the opportunity to to have that hands-on volunteer work with the kids. And if you can't do the hands-on volunteer work, they always need donations, um, clothing, bedding, car seats, cribs, um, things like that. So those are those are all good ways to support foster care. Love on those foster parents that do have children placed in their home. I've had so many families say, my church turned against me, my family turned against wow. me, because they just, you know, I 
I came into foster care thinking, oh, I'll be able to identify those kids. They just wear a scarlet F on their chest, and I'll know which ones they are. And and I I was wholly incorrect. How I I can't tell you how important it is that people need love and support, not just the kids but the families, too. It's hard. But so just drop a lasagna off on their front porch. (laughs) (laughs) Drop some laundry detergent. Like Courtney said, one of Josh's favorite foods, mind you. Yes. Just saying. Yeah. Yes. Car seats, clothes. Oh, that's a good um, one. School yeah. supplies. I, we've all seen in the news and in the media, you know, foster children travel with trash bags. Drop them off a new backpack. Just love on those families. Because, right. you know, especially if, if they're taking kids in the middle of the night. You know, that's really it, hard. It, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I'm going to throw in this because I talked to Courtney about it on the phone yesterday and You know, this is impact stigma, but one of the things that we want to make sure that our listeners know is that impact stigma is a part of the Frontier Health Foundation. And you can actually go to the Frontier Health Foundation website and click donate and specify that you want whatever donation you're making to go to these two programs. You can say, I want to donate to Traces or I want to donate to Values, and I'll make sure because you know, I'm the director, so I'll make sure that it goes where it needs to go. And um, so if you're you're listening out there and you want to, you, maybe you just want to donate, then I would highly recommend you jump on the website and, and do that because, you know, you're going to be taking care of a therapeutic foster care child, and a little goes a long way. So you can donate a small amount. You can donate a large amount. We're not going to say no, obviously. So we'll be able to help these programs where these ladies are, are located you know, from donations. So that's another way I would say people can help. But yeah. I love the volunteers. So definitely. Because they can buy essentials like toothbrushes. Absolutely. Toothbrush, you know, stuff they need. Yes. When we have kids come in, kids come in at the at the drop of a hat. We don't know they're coming. We just, we get them. And then we have to, we have to be able to meet their needs. Sometimes that need looks like a crib. Sometimes it looks like new car seats. Sometimes it looks like beds and bedding. And uh, because we're going to try to meet these children where they are, and we're going to try to to meet these needs. So it can be difficult, you know, in the spur of the moment to to find some of these things. So it would be wonderful to have, to have the ability to, to just go get them. Right. Yeah. And that's definitely something we want our listeners to be aware of that they can directly go to you can even just go to impactstigma.com and it'll take you to the Frontier Health Foundation website and you're welcome to just donate from there. So so that's a great way to do it. So we would love for your, to have your support. Thank you all, to all of our listeners for sure for that because I know Absolutely. some of them have thank definitely you. started. So yes, Thank you so much. I have one last question for both of you that I asked every single person that sits in, in, our, in our little studio. And um, I would like to say, if you could step into our shoes on this podcast, what would you have asked yourself that we didn't? Where do I go to become a foster parent? That's a great question. Yes. Would you like to answer it yes. first? Yes. So go to the Frontier Health website. You can Google. There's a search bar at the top. Type in values or type in traces. Traces is our Tennessee program. Values is our Virginia program. And it follows right along. The application's on there. And you will get Courtney or I, depending on whether you're in Tennessee and or Virginia. And you guys are lovely ladies. We so are. how could anybody not want to talk to you? And we'll put the direct link to each yes. program in the description. So we'll make it even easier on you. Yeah. So if you're listening to the podcast, Perfect. just grab the description. If you want to go there, you'll see it there. So how about you, Miss Courtney? Anything? Yes. What I would have asked Jessica and what I would have asked myself is, Jessica and Courtney, how much do you love your job? How much do you love your community? <laughs> and how much do you love these kids? Well, go ahead and answer for us. I can't tell you how much we love <laughs> our jobs, our communities, and these kids. 
Jessica and I, and I'm speaking for Jessica, we have children all over the state of Tennessee and Virginia. And so being able to do this, I have been able to be a mom to so many. And that is such a blessing. I'm mom to kids who are just a couple years younger than me. So, I mean, this <laughs> this has been a huge, huge blessing in my life. And I'm so happy that I'm able to do what I'm able to do. Because one of the things I wanted to do as a kid, and I didn't bring this up earlier, is, is to be the person that I needed when I was younger, be able to be that for somebody else. And Jessica and I have been able to do that for children all in Tennessee and all in Virginia. And it's a beautiful thing. And we are, we are so lucky uh, to be able to do what we do. Consider ourselves very fortunate to be able to stand in the gap and help hold some of these burdens for our kids and for our families. That is a true, a, a true joy. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> That's great. All right. So thank you both so much for your time today. Can't, if you only knew how special this was to me and to Josh, um, it's just been a really special conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so happy you're both here. We're so grateful. We learned so much. We hope our listeners just loved this podcast and will share it with everyone they know, help spread the word about foster care and how important it is to support foster care parents, to support foster care agencies, and to, if you are inspired, to just take the leap and just jump and be a foster parent. Yep. Also, we want to say thank you to our listeners, right, Josh? That's right. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do so. It's free to do so. Just hit the little subscribe button. Yep. And you'll get the next episode as it comes out. And you'll know. So thank you all so much for being here. And also, we want to always say to make sure to go make an impact. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Stigma can make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous economic and emotional burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions, and that directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community, one that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than just a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website at impactstigma.com. Watch the video and read about how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. You're so glad you chose us. We want to thank our guests again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to impact stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you. So go be an impact maker. Thank you and be blessed.